Uh, if, you're, um, if you're new, uh, we've been in the, the book of 1 John for a while now. And um, at the very beginning of 1 John, we talked about how um, John's going to teach us uh, what, how, how, to have, how to experience full, complete, true, real, eternal life. Um, which is uh, a good thing because our lives tend to be um, restless. Our lives tend to be uh, frantic. They tend to um, move back and forth. Uh, and, and it seems kind of strange. It seems like almost like we don't know how um, to be rooted or to be settled. Uh, we, we seem to be all over the place. And that's kind of the, the, the question um, that John wants to answer. And today he's going to hit the heart of it. Uh, that question, you know, is there any way to stop being restless? Is there, is there a, a way that we can um, be different, that we can um, be rooted? Is there, a, is there a way that our restless hearts um, can find peace? What would that take? Let's uh, look at what um, John has to say. This is um, my translation. Um, if you're familiar with the, uh, the New King James, I've made some changes, and, and I'll explain those. All the uh, scriptures um, are on the back of your note sheets if, if you want to follow along. But, but John says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If someone loves the world, love for the Father is not in that person. Because everything in the world, the things that our bodies crave, the things our eyes long to see, and our overconfidence in what we have, Those things have their origin not in the Father, but in the world. Look, the world's already fading away, and its desires with it. But the one who practices God's will is already living forever. If you've been around the church uh, for a while, um, and maybe if you haven't, you don't know this, but um, the world is like what Christians use to say, I don't like that thing. So if something is is something the Christian doesn't like, they call it of the world, uh, which isn't super fair. Um, but so like when I was growing up, um, there were a lot of Christians who would say things like, um, Harry Potter, don't read that. That's from the world. Like meaning like that's evil, that's dangerous, you know, um, or rock and roll music. Don't listen to that. That's from the world. And and that means it's bad. It's dangerous. It's, it's out here. It's, it's not acceptable. Um, don't watch those movies. Those movies are made by people in the world. You know, um, don't eat this, don't drink that. Whatever it was, it was always about, um, there's this, this, this universe out there, the world, the capital W world, and that's where all the bad stuff is. That's where all the, uh, the dangerous stuff is. And we gotta, we gotta be careful. We gotta stay away from the world. Well, I, I, I mean, I can hear it. I understand. I mean, when you, when you listen to this text, it really does seem like there's this dichotomy, right? There's the world over here, and there's the Father over here. But notice it's the love. It's love, the world, uh, versus love for the Father. And I want to suggest that maybe um, the world isn't, isn't as bad. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's maybe not as bad as, as sometimes we uh, make it out in the church. And I want to show you how, uh, how John uses the world um, and how Jesus uses the world in John's gospel. Um, this is uh, from the very beginning of John's gospel. Uh, he says, The true light that shines on all people was coming into the world. The light was in the world, and the world came into being through the light. But the world didn't recognize the light. Well, the light is, is, is the incarnate uh, Christ, the, the second person of the Trinity, and before creation, uh, the Word of God, the, uh, the person who would become Christ, uh, through Him, everything was made. The whole world comes through Christ, through God's Word. Uh, the world was good, um, as a matter of fact. Uh, when, when, when creation happens, God says, the world's good. But, but, you notice at the end there, the world didn't recognize the light when Jesus appeared. So, there's not, so it's not all good. 
It's not all good. There's something wrong. Or look at this. This is a foundational text, one of the first ones I ever memorized as a kid. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the, wor- that through the world, that the, but that th- the world through him might be saved. So it's like, the, the, you know, the world's, there's problems, but it's not, it's not beyond the pale. It's the, like there's some hope for the world. It, it's not something that God wants to just destroy and cast off and condemn. God actually wants to, to salvage the world. Um, and, and this uh, last text, this is uh, Jesus speaking again. He uh, it says something very similar. He says, I have come as a light into the world, and whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I don't judge him. I didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world. Well, the fir- at least the first time Jesus came, he didn't, he didn't come to, to judge the world, but, but to save the world. And so the first thing in your note sheets is that, is that the world, it, it's good, but it's corrupted. There's a problem. The world's a good thing, and, and, God, and we're glad God made it, and it's, it's, it's good, but, but there's something wrong with it. It's been distorted by sin, and yet, even though it's been distorted by sin, it's still worth restoring. It's worth saving. God's not done with the world yet. And so John's got this thing where he's like, you don't want to love the world because if you do that, then, then certain things are happening. Certain things happen that cause your heart um, to be restless, that cause your heart to want to wander. Um, and I, I, I want to have us take a look. But first, um, do I have the picture? Oh, yeah. You know him, right? I will give $1 million to anybody who can name this person. I'm just kidding. I don't have a million dollars. But if I did, I mean... You have to be like the nerdiest person. Sylvan Goldman. You know what this guy invented? Something that we love. Pop-Tarts. Well, it's related. Shopping carts. Sylvan Goldman is the inventor of the shopping cart. Um, so here's the deal. Back in the day, um, <laughs> when, uh, when you went shopping, what you would do is you would like walk to town. This is like in the 1930s and 20s, 20s and 30s. You would walk into town or drive if you were super wealthy, and you would have your list with you of your groceries, right? And then you'd walk into the grocery store and you'd hand your list to a clerk. And then you would go walk away and you would go get your hair cut or you would do whatever else you had to do in town. And the clerk would hand that off to a grocery boy who would go and he would fill up everything that was on your list. And then he would come and he would give you um, your, your bags when you came back. And that's how you shopped, right? Well, that was a terrible way of doing things. Uh, think of, I mean, if you're a business person, think of all the people you have to pay just to like find stuff and locate it and, and give it. What a waste of money. Wouldn't it be better... If we could get those suckers who come into our store to do the work for us. Yeah. So Sylvan Goldman, he, um, he invented this. Um, he took basically a folding chair and then he put baskets in it. Um, and at first people were like, no way. Um, because uh, men were embarrassed of the idea that they didn't, weren't strong enough to carry uh, the load of, of groceries. They'd never been to Costco, so they, don't, they, didn't, they didn't recognize what that could be like. Um, <laughs> and so what Goldman did is he actually paid people in his grocery stores to walk around with carts going, boy, this is convenient. <laughs> it's true. And within two years, um, shopping, shopping carts were ubiquitous. In fact, uh, shopping carts made the cover of Life magazine in 1940 because it was like such a revolution, uh, what it had done um, in the United States and the way we shop. Um, Goldman, uh, he actually got out of the, the supermarket business and he got into the shopping cart business. He went all over the country selling shopping carts. And this is what his, his spiel was. He was like, hey, guess what? Not only do you have to pay your people less, but our studies show 
that when people come into your supermarket, they spend 30% more when they choose their own stuff. Supermarket people are like, woohoo, yes, awesome. Because it turns out, it turns out what the problem before was that you wrote your list out, which is what I do, right? You write your list out, you go and you give it to the clerk, and he gives you what you want. No room for impulse buying. And Americans, I mean, we're good at impulse buying, right? You know, I, I, I can't go into the grocery store and come out with uh, what I say I'm going to come out with. Um, I need to go in there and come out with something really, really good, really, really tasty, really fun. I need to get excited about being in the grocery store, in the supermarket. I need to feel good. I want to suggest um, that everything that John says about loving the world, really, we can actually, we can actually um, sort of think about it, we can conceptualize it um, through the lens of a grocery, um, a, a shopping cart. One of the interesting things about those shopping carts, you notice they're see-through. He could have given you like a basket that's closed, but you want to be able to see all the stuff you're getting, right? You want to be able to look at it as you're going through. You want to make sure you, you, you can see every last thing that you're going to get. So let's, um, let's, let's look uh, briefly at, at John's concerns about, about the shopping carts um, of the world. He says, everything in the world, the things the body craves, the things eyes long to see, and our overconfidence in what we have has its origin not in the Father, but in the world. Yeah. So this is what your cart looks like, right? When you do this, when you go shopping. Is that the next thing? The carts? Oh, no, no, wait. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. The things the body craves. That's what we're going to talk about uh, first. The things the body craves. If you're used to New King James or older translations, it's um, the lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh. And then um, lust of the eyes and pride of life. Uh, I, I've softened the language a little bit there because um, that word uh, lust, it really just means desire um, or cravings or longings. Um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, the things the body craves, you know, some, some not inherently wrong to, for the body to crave. For example, if your body stopped craving water, then you would die because you wouldn't drink water. So cravings of the body are not necessarily bad, but they can get bad. So here's your shopping cart. Um, here it is. This is what you do when you go to the grocery store. You fill it up with, I mean, look at the size of those tomatoes. Yeah, true fact. Um, because I wouldn't eat tomatoes as a child, my father bet me $100. Uh, he said, if you eat this tomato, I'll give you 100 bucks." So I took a bite in it. I promptly threw up. Um, because it was so horrible. And then he laughed at me, and uh, he took the $100, and he walked away, and I learned my lesson, never to try a tomato ever again. So I haven't eaten one since, and it's, uh, it's been working out really great for me. Um, notice that lo- the little olive oil there, because presumably you're going to come home from the grocery store, and you're just going to chop up those vegetables, drizzle a little olive oil, and you're going to eat. That's what you do, right? Or does your shopping cart look a little more like this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Notice how many boxes of goldfish. I mean, the guy who invented that, like props, brother. I've timed it. It's about 22 minutes you can get um, out of your kids if you give them a bowl of goldfish. They'll leave you alone for 22 minutes, guaranteed, with a bowl of goldfish. So, I mean, you've got, you're going you're to want to stock up on that. And uh, it, Oreos, I mean, if you want them to do anything, you've got to bribe them. So, hey, if you do this, you're going to get an Oreo. Apparently, the stuff in the middle of the, the white stuff... Uh, in the middle of the Oreo, if you know the Weird Al Yankovic song, which um, I performed in a talent show in junior high school, it was really great. People liked it a lot. Um, the, the, the white stuff in the middle is made out of lard um, and sugar. And so it's beautiful when my daughter um, like just opens it up and just scrapes it off and then throws the chocolate cookie away. I mean, you've got to love that moment. It's a good moment. 
Because the body's cravings, our desires, our physical desires, I mean, yeah, like, okay, they're, they're good, and they're, and they're, but, but they're not, they can get control of us, right? They can get in charge. That's why we say the things the body craves are meant to satisfy our physical desires. So, yeah, you have a craving for, for water. You have a craving for food. Um, you have a craving uh, for, um, for love and sex. You have a craving for a lot of different things. And those are all good things because if we didn't, you know, crave water, we'd, we'd, we'd uh, die of thirst. If we didn't crave a lot of different things, then the, the world would fall apart, right? Cravings are good, but they, tw- they quickly get out of control. We get into a cycle, right, where the cravings become everything. The cravings become, you know, and you start to, you start, you don't have your, your, your full of vegetables anymore. Now it's starting to be a whole lot of goldfish, whole lot of Oreos, whole lot of honeygrams, and you're just, whoop, 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 and, and you're, and you're starting to get out of control, and you're losing, um, the value of those desires. And so very quickly, if you love, if you're looking for satisfaction in the, the satisfaction of your physical desires, you find that you need to keep going back, right? You know, you, you go and, and man, polishing off that, in, I, in Japan I used to get Pringles. It was like the one potato chip from America they had. And I used to get like a big thing of Pringles and just chomp them down at night because I was lonely. You've done that. Everyone's done that. Uh, no? I'm the only one? Okay, cool. Uh, but you, because you're, 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 if, you, if you satisfy this desire, then suddenly, suddenly you know, you're sure that you're not going to, be restless anymore. You're, you're, you're going to be at peace, and you need to have it. And yet, you find that one hour after the Pringles, one hour after um, uh, you know sexual intimacy, one hour after whatever it is that your body craves, you're like, oh, I could do that again. Let's get back to that. That was nice. Let's not stop. And then we find that we end up in these cycles where we're constantly almost owned by our desires for this um, drink, this food, this whatever, and it owns us, and it starts to be the focus of everything that we do. And, it, and, and the, the, there's diminishing returns. You know, it's not just one can of Pringles anymore. You've got to do two to get that same rush. It is a rush, by the way. Those Pringles are good. <laughs> the things eyes long to see. So if you've got your grocery cart, you've got your shopping cart, and in the shopping cart to start with, the things that, you know, your physical cravings, you know, your needs, your food, right? What are the uh, things that the eyes long to see? Well, um, I, hate, I hate shopping now, um, and interestingly, and maybe some of you men can relate to this, I started disliking shopping with the rise of the internet. And the reason was, is that I found that the only thing I really enjoyed about the supermarket was gone or it was, I didn't need it anymore because of the rise of the internet. And that's because the only place I really enjoy being in the supermarket is this place. Yes. See, you kids, kids don't even know because, you know, they've never seen a magazine. Um, they, don't, they don't need magazines. But back in the day, we couldn't find out what was going on in the world unless we had a magazine to tell us. Um, and so we, I, I remember my uh, first subscription to a PC Gamer. Um, you, you've all... Brent, you're a big fan of PC Gamer. Yeah, I mean, because PC Gamer. Yeah, uh, the first time I was published, um, this, this is an important story. <laughs> Let me share this with you. Um, I, I love writing, and uh, the first time I was uh, published was in the, uh, in the annals of PC Gamer. Uh, there was a, a review of a game, and, and this guy had said that the Vorpal Sword in Alice in Wonderland was from Dungeons and Dragons. He didn't know where the Vorpal Sword came from. I mean, right? He, he, he literally published, he literally published, the Vorpal Sword is a reference to Dungeons and Dragons. I was incensed. 
I was furious. Uh, because I, just like you, had memorized Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll in junior high school. And I knew it by heart. And I know that the Vorpal Sword went snickersnack. He left the dead, went glumping back. Lewis Carroll invented the, uh, the Vorpal Sword in Jabberwocky. He also wrote Alice in Wonderland. If you're having a game about Alice in Wonderland and he mentions the Vorpal Sword, it's a reference to Jabberwocky, you fool! So I, I oh wow, I just torched this guy. I called him the king of illiterature. Uh, and they published it. It was awesome. And I was like, I get into this. This is before blogs. So I mean, you can imagine how stoked I was. I loved PC Gamer because um, I found that, uh, you know, you play a game, right? And, and it's cool, but the, the, the thing about games is it's always about the next one, right? It's, it, it, whatever. I know you guys are men, so yeah. Road and Track, you ladies, Cosmopolitan, whatever it is, the magazine that you dig, uh, whatever it is that you're into. What is it that's cool about Road and Track? It's not about the cars that are like a year old. No! It's the, the late model that's coming out with the brand new Hemi 6. I wish I knew anything about cars. I could relate to you. Uh, or it's not about the, um, the, the last week's fashion, last year's fashion, ladies, right? It's about this brand new trend that's coming out. And as soon as you get this outfit, you will finally be at peace. Finally. You'll be able to look in the mirror and know that you're making your man happy. There's like seven different tips every month. And, and the thing is, it's always the new tips, right? Because the old tips are no good. You've got to get to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Have you noticed? Have you noticed that the things that your eyes long to see are always new things? You're never excited about seeing something you've seen a million times before. Your eyes are always about something new. That's what draws you in. That's what attracts you. And when John says, uh, when he talks about the lust of the, of, of the eyes, or the, I call it um, the, the, the things eyes long to see, he's talking about that sense for that desire, that need for newness. Because if you just get this thing, and, and, and you finally have this uh, next uh, game, card, fashion, whatever, whatever it is that you look forward to, that next promotion at work, that next you know, check that's coming, whatever the new thing is, that's what your eyes are always drawn to. And if that's what you're looking for, if that's what you love, you will never stop being a restless heart. You will always, always be searching for the next thing because there is no beauty that's beautiful enough. There is no, I mean, I noticed in those uh, old supermarket things, what they're trying to attract men to, I noticed there were a lot of women on the covers of those magazines. Huh. Almost like they think that sex sells. Almost like they think that your eyes are constantly looking for the next beautiful thing. You're obsessed with seeing something new. And if you're looking for that to be the thing that keeps you safe, that keeps you secure, you're going to fall apart. You're never going to have the joy that you're searching for. So, um... Look at the text again. So that's the uh, in New King James, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and our overconfidence in what we have. Uh, the pride of life is um, uh, the way the New King James translates it. It's, uh, the, the word for life there is a, is a strange word for the New Testament to use for life. Normally, uh, life is zoe. In this case, it's bios, from where we get our words bi- uh, biology, biosphere. Um, and really, uh, the way that it's used in, 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 in Greek literature is it's talking about those things that we need for subsistence. 
right? If you want life to continue, here are the things that you need. You need this, 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 and this. And if you have those things, then, uh, then your life will be able to continue and thrive and flourish. And so to talk about the arrogance or pride of that is to talk about those things that we, you know, we get, we have that, um, that make us feel like we're under control, that we've got it uh, figured out, that we don't need anything else. So, can we see the next one, the next slide? Yes. Yes. Dude, Costco. This isn't Costco, but man, I didn't know what happiness was until I went to Costco. I remember back, you remember back when they had the uh, pallet ones? The, the carts that were just, it was back, I think they called it Price Club back then. It was before Cost, cost Club, Price Club, I can't say. But they used to drive around these like pallets. It was like you were moving. And then you would, you're like, you're like, you're just getting the, the biggest tub of beans that's ever been. You're like, I'm never going to have to buy beans ever again. That's what I love about Costco. I hate going to the supermarket. My wife does too. Um, and so we, we, we wait as long as we can. And then when we go, we go to Costco and we drop 500 bucks. And we're never going to leave the house again. A mountain, a veritable mountain of goods. More toilet paper than we could ever wipe. I mean, it's just... And as soon as we've got it, as soon as we got it, we know we're never going to leave the house again because we've just, we, we, we have everything, everything we need. Man, that's a good feeling. It's not just, uh, you know, not just stuff, of course. It's also um, status, positions, right? You know, you're at a place in life where you're so-and-so on the corporate ladder, or you're doing this, and you have that. And as a result, you know that you're in control, that you've got it figured out. So you're not, um, you know, you're not in danger. You've got security now because you've achieved this, or you are called this, and you have this title, or whatever. And so you keep moving up, and the farther you move up, the bigger your cart at Costco looks, and the less and less you need anybody or anything else. In fact, you're sitting there, and you're like, you know what? I can fool myself into believing that I am not dependent, that I am not temporary. That's the next thing on your note sheets. Our stuff, status, and station help us to believe that we are not dependent or temporary. If you've got enough, it seems like nothing can shake you. At this point, I think we kind of see sort of like what is going on with the world, right? So there's the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. That's, yeah, you know, the, the, the stuff we have. It's the, the new things that we're always looking forward to. It's, it's the stuff that, that meets our physical needs. What do all of these things have in common? What is it that ties them, unites them? Why is it that John is, is, is focusing on these things? Well, let's look at the text one more time, um, and I think we're going to see it. Uh, just beginning at the end, overconfidence in what we have has its origin. This is all the stuff of the world, all right? All the stuff of the world has its origin, not in the Father, but in the world. And look, the world is already fading away, and its desires with it. But the one who practices God's will is already living forever. If you want to know what these things all have in common, it's that their source is in something that's temporary, that's passing away. In fact, every single one of these things is designed to get us to forget that this place is decayed, it's corrupting, it's falling apart. I didn't used to really know that. When I was a kid, man, I couldn't put on weight to save my life. I was like, I even had a, a shirt that said, Chicks dig pale, scrawny guys. It worked really well. <laughs> Turns out that's not what they're into. Uh, 
suddenly at a certain point, right around the age of 30, marriage, kids, I was like, oh, wait. Now I'm, uh-oh. Wait, 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 what's going on here? I don't like this. Uh, suddenly, you know, I, I can't run as far. Can't do as much. It's almost as if this body is falling apart. I've hit my peak. Just frustrating. But it is what it is. In fact, if you think about everything, everything in this life, every physical thing, every, it's all temporary. It's all fading. This world itself is just not forever. Everything in this world is, there's a time limit on it. And, and, and yeah, I can sit there and hope that I, no gray hairs yet. Just, yeah, this, the white stuff here, that's a, it's a skin disease. I'm not, I don't have any gray hairs yet. Um, just, that's a true fact. I'm not making that up. I'm not old. But, but presumably, at some point, I will probably have some gray hairs. And presumably, at some point, that new car and that new game and that new, those new fashion tips and those new whatever it is that you, is going to satisfy you is going to be gone too. And look what John says. The one who practices God's will is already living forever. You can either be living in this temporary fading place that's falling apart, or you can be doing God's will and already, right now, today, start living forever. What, is, uh, what does it mean, God's will? Uh, this is Jesus telling us about God's will. Jesus says... I am fed by doing the will of the one who sent me and by completing his work. Don't you have a saying, four more months and then it's time for harvest? Look, I tell you, open your eyes and notice that the fields are already ripe for the harvest. Those who harvest are receiving their pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that those who sow and those who harvest can celebrate together. Jesus is saying, hey, you want to know what God's will is? You want to start living the eternal life? You want to have a life that has meaning and and consequence now? Here's an idea. Go and find the lost. Bring them to me. Look for the people who are wayward and wandering and, and plant them in my church. Do something that has eternal value. You will gather fruit for eternal life. Friends, your eternal life is not going to be, not everyone's going to have the same eternal life. There will be people in heaven. There will be people in the next life who just kind of like phoned it in on earth. They're like, I said the sentence. Uh, I got my sins forgiven. I'm ready, I'm ready for heaven. Thank you. And then there's other people who are going to spend their lives doing something that's eternal, that matters. People who are going to spend their lives investing in other people, bringing people to faith, showing them what matters in life, getting them to become disciples, showing, get them, dunking them in the baptismal. Doug hates it when I say dunking in the baptismal. It's not sacred enough. I'm sorry. Gently being baptized the way that you're supposed to be was very, very, uh, very important. Whatever, the point is you need to be going after. You need to be going after eternal things. And if you do that, then you will have meaning. You will have something that lasts. You won't be wasting your time. So you're sitting there and you've got your shopping cart. And it's huge. You know, there's, there's that magazine of that stuff that you love to look at and you can't wait. There's those things that you know, fill your belly or your gullet. There are those things um, that make you so proud and so sure that you're invincible and nothing can touch you. If you love those things, you are wasting your time and you will never have satisfaction. But what if this week you said, I'm going to look at my shopping cart I'm going to think about some of these things. 
And I'm going to do one of two things. I'm either going to take it out of the cart and put it back on the shelf, because I don't need it, and I don't want to love it anymore. I'm I'm sick and tired of the way it owns me and controls me. I I don't want to be run by this thing. I want it back and away. Or, or, you look at it and you think, maybe I could use this thing that I enjoy so much as a way to do something that matters eternally. Maybe, maybe I can keep this in my cart, but I'm going to use it for the kingdom and not just to make me satisfied. So, you know, maybe you love, you know, you love having, I like to go out to eat, obviously. Uh, and I, I think that's great. My problem is I go out to eat for me. I play video games for me. I listen to music for me. I do a lot of things for me. What if, what if I started thinking about ways to use those things? for the people of God, to, to bring them closer together and, and to, to bring them into a place where they know him and, and they want to be with him and so that they can participate in eternal life too. What if I shifted the way I think about these things so that instead of becoming the things that make my life have meaning, they are the things that I use, that are tools in my, in my belt in order to make meaning that is actual, genuine, eternal meaning. And what if I looked at those things and recognized the things that are clawing at my heart, and they're dragging me down. I said, you know what? I don't need those Oreos. As good as that lard tastes, I love that white stuff. But man, it's really causing me to fade. Last thing on your note sheets is is this. It's either lose what's in your cart or use it for eternity. Either lose what's in your cart or use it for eternity. We, we spend our lives thinking that if we just get enough, we just get to this place, or we achieve that thing, or we have this relationship with that person, then suddenly it'll be right. But friends, those are just restless hearts and shopping carts. And they will not fill you. Instead, invest in eternity. Let's build this place. Let's make this place a place where we are drawing people in for eternity. Let's make this a place where we're growing up our kids for eternity. Let's make this a place where people are living for eternity. So that that way when we, you know, when all this fading crude stuff is gone, when it's gone, we will have something that lasts, something that is joyful, something that is real, something that cannot be taken away. We will have the kind of thing that every one of us desperately, desperately wants in our heart of hearts. Let's make that commitment today, friends. One thing, and you you talk to your spouse or your friend or whomever and decide, I'm going to lose this thing or this thing I'm going to use for eternity. And we are going to make Coast Bible Church a place where people are invested and thriving in eternal life. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we thank you um, for all that you give us. You give us life. You've given us a world, a good world, yes, God, but also a corrupted one, one that can easily entice, easily sway, take us off the track. God, I pray for the restless hearts here, my own restless heart, that we'll learn to rest in you, doing your will, bringing people to know you, changing them, growing them through the the watering of your word, the power of your spirit. God, I pray that we will not look Um, for satisfaction to the things that cannot satisfy because they cannot last. And instead, 
look for it where you've designed us to look for it. In your kingdom and your glory and your power forever and ever. All this we ask in Jesus' name, amen.